is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Whip. Is that really in the Bible? You know, just recently I was looking at a religious forum, which can be very dangerous because you've got all kinds of strange ideas. But this person, this person said this. He said, no Christian is under the law of Moses. It ended when Jesus nailed it to his cross and faded away during the life of the apostles. Now, the statement is very deceptive in and of itself. I mean, how many times have you heard this? No Christian is under the law of Moses. As if Moses went around giving laws. You know, Moses just went around with a tablet and said, I think I'll come up with some laws today. Let's see. What can I think? Oh, okay, I'm going to write that down. And, you know, no Christian is under the law of Moses. Well, of course not. No Christian is under the law of David. No Christian is under the law of Peter. No Christian is under the law of John. No Christian is under the law of Bartholomew or anybody else that I know of. But if we ask the question, who gave Moses the law? Well, you know where he got those things from, don't you? You know, the mount, you know, coming down the tablets. He got them from God. Yeah. So, and I, and I think this statement is so deceptive because Christians don't want to just come out and say it. No Christian is under the law of God. Because it, it's like, well, why do you call yourself a Christian? I mean, what, what's, what's the purpose? I mean, what, what are you doing with your life? All right. So it's, it's more deceptive and clever to say, well, no Christian is under the law of Moses. Well, uh, yeah, I agree. They're not. But, but how about the law of God? All right. How about the law of God? This goes on to say, it ended when Jesus nailed it to his cross. And, you know, I, I'm afraid too many Christians have this imagery. Jesus with a couple of ten penny nails in his mouth. He was a carpenter, by the way, and puts an old wooden ladder up against that, that cross and climbs up there. And, of course, he's got sort of hard to climb the ladder. He's got, you know, two tablets of stone underneath one, each arm. He's got nails in his mouth. Maybe has a, a nail apron and hammer in there. And he climbs up that ladder, and he puts that tablet of stone, and he just nails it right up there, and just nails those nasty, rotten walls right up there on that cross, you know, just you know, that, that is the imagery that a lot of Christians, now not, not all Christians, I'm not talking about all Christians, but I'm talking about a lot of them. Okay, it goes on to say, and it faded away during the life of the apostles. Yeah, that old wall, just like an old stop sign on Route 66, you know, the paint starts to peel and just peel off, and eventually you can't even tell what it says, stop, S-T-O-P. And it, it's never replaced, and eventually it just sort of fades, it took some time, Took some time, you know, but it fades away, out of mind, out of sight. Now, never mind, Malachi 3 and verse 6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. Never mind, your Bible says Jesus Christ the same today, yesterday, and forever. No, those old laws have been, we've got this God that's just flip-flopping all the time. He gives these commandments and he says, oops, I'm going to do away with them now. They're no good. Yeah. Now, I want to go through a series entitled, Excuses Christians Use for Not Keeping the Law of God. Now, what law? What, well, let's just simplify it. The Ten Commandments. And what they will do is they will take a verse from the Bible, and they'll, they'll get one verse, and I'm going to go through all of them, by the way, and they'll say, this is the reason I don't have to keep the law. All right. 
Let's take a look at this first one. This first one's a doozy, by the way. Romans 10 and verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. I mean, it's like, it's like ecstasy. It's, uh, it's almost like, with, with a lot of people, it's almost orgasmic. You know, it's like yippee, yay, yay. I, the law's been done away. You know, they ought to do, that's a, that's a nice little tune. You know, sing at in church. You know, yippee, yay, yay. The law's been done away. You know, all right. Uh, now, let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, why would you want to do away with the law of God? Now that, don't answer that. I mean, that gets way too personal because now I'm dealing with the heart, you see. <laughs> and we really don't want to go there. So don't answer that question. But it is a good question. Why would you want the law? Okay, now let's look at Exodus 20 and ask the question, why would you want these laws to end? And I'm going to summarize these laws. Number one, trust God only. Is that a bad law? Why would you want that to end? Two, worship God only. Three, use God's name in a way that honors him. Why would you want that to end, that law? Fourth, rest on the Sabbath and think about God. Like a, a, a vacation day. Take a break. You know, you didn't have to tell the Israelites who had made bricks for hundreds of years to take a break, that they were happy to do that. But you know, why would you want that law to be done away with? Why would you want that law to end? Respect and obey your parents. Fifth, uh, fifth commandment. Sixth commandment, protect and respect human life. Why would you want that law to end? Seventh, be true to your husband or your wife. Now, I got to thinking about this. If you're sitting in church and you're not true to your husband or your wife, yeah, I can see why you might want Christ to be the end of the law. You know, if you're sitting in church living with your boyfriend or girlfriend, I can see why you might. I mean, you don't want the law to condemn you. You don't want the law to tell you what you're doing is wrong. You don't want no one to tell you what you're doing is wrong. And you sure don't want the preacher preaching about it. So I can see why you would want the Christ to be the end of the law. Let me tell you something about living together, entering into a sexual relationship. Once you enter in, if you've entered into a sexual relationship with a person, you are, in the eyes of God, already married to that person. You have already entered into a marriage covenant in the eyes of God, whether you realize it or not. Just because you're ignorant of it doesn't mean anything. In the eyes of God, if you've shared that kind of intimate, intimacy, sexual relationship with a person, man and woman, of course, you have entered into a marriage covenant with God. So you might as well go ahead and tie the knot. You know, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Eighth commandment. Do not take what belongs to others. Now, if you're sitting in church and you've stolen some supplies at the office that you work at, yeah, I can see why you might want Christ to be, to be the end of the law. Ninth commandment. Do not lie about others. Now, if you're sitting in church and, you're sharing and you're a pathological liar, you can never tell the truth. You wouldn't know the truth if it bit you on the rear end. Okay, I can see why you'd want Christ to be the end of the law. Tenth commandment, be satisfied with what you have. Now, if you're not satisfied, you're not satisfied with your wife, you're not satisfied with your job, you're not satisfied with anything, then I can see why you might want Christ to be the end of the law. Now, what's interesting is this. If you're not a religious person, and you just walk up to some old Joe who has not been brainwashed by 40 years of churchianity, and you say, you see anything wrong with these laws? You know, right here, okay, trust God only. Uh, worship God only. Use God's name in a way that honors him. Rest on the Sabbath day. Take a break and think about God. 
Respect and obey your parents. Protect and respect human life. Be true to your husband or wife. Do not take what belongs to others. Do not lie to others. Be satisfied with what you have. You know, you ask just a typical non-religious that they would say, well, no, I think these laws are good. Every law-abiding citizen should keep them. It's what makes society work. I want my neighbor to keep these laws. I don't want my neighbor stealing my stuff. I don't want my neighbor lying to me. I don't want my neighbor hitting on my wife. These laws are good. However, you ask a lot of religious people and they'll tell you, well, Christ is the end of the law. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. I wish I were. All right, let's look at it again. Let's, let's explain it. Let's go into this. Romans 10 and verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Okay, I'm going to give you some rules for a Bible study right here in understanding the scripture. Listen closely. Number one, the Bible never contradicts itself. So if you're in a, in a contradiction, if you run up against a contradiction that tells you something is wrong, you're not understanding something. It's not the, it's not the Bible that's the problem. It's your understanding. So the Bible never contradicts itself. Okay, three rules for Bible study. Number one, does this scripture that I'm reading go against the logic found, you know, in the Bible? Does this scripture go against human common sense and logic? That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, does this scripture, Christ is the end of the law, of the law for righteousness, does it go against my common sense and logic? And don't tell me, don't, 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 don't get on to me about when well, you're talking about common sense and logic, human logic, yeah. If you're a human being, that's all you've got is human log logic. God gave you a mind and he expects us to use it and think when we read the Bible. You know, it's like listening to a preacher and thinking that doesn't make a bit of sense what he just said. Or going to a funeral and he's, you know, the person's preached up into heaven. You go outside at the graveside and you're, the guy, same guy just preached the person up in heaven is now preaching the resurrection from the dead. And you're thinking, that doesn't make a bit. He just contradicted himself. Which is it? All right. So there's nothing wrong with doing it, using your common sense and logic. Okay, number two. Does this verse contradict other scriptures? Number three. Does the author contradict himself? Here the author is the, the Apostle Paul. All right. Let's take a look at what Peter said about Paul. 2 Peter 3 and verse 16. I'm reading from God's Word translation. He talks about this subject in all his letters talking about the law of God. Some things in his letters are hard to understand. Ignorant people and people who aren't sure what they believe distort what Paul says in his letters the same way they distort the rest of the scriptures. These people will be destroyed. So Peter is warning us that Paul is hard to understand and ignorant people will take Paul's writings and turn what he says into a no-law theology. The law's been abolished. It's been done away with. It's been nailed to the cross. Okay. We have the warning from Peter. Paul is hard to understand. And ignorant people will twist those scriptures. All right. Here's what I found. People love their Jesus as long as they can worship their Jesus on their own term. Oh, I love Jesus. You know, Jesus only gave two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, which is a summation of the, four, of, the, of the Ten Commandments. The first four tell you how to love God. The last six tell you how to love your fellow man. Jesus didn't go around coming up with two new commandments. He's just summarizing the ten, all right? 
Number one, does this scripture go against common sense and logic? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. A question, is the way you get to be righteous by abolishing or putting an end to all law? What do you think? Now this is almost the idea behind what a lot of Christians can believe. They would say, yeah, that, that's how you get to be righteous. You just abolish all law. In other words, the way you achieve righteousness is just do away with law because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. I'm asking, does that make sense? Let me put it to you another way. Is the way you get people to drive a safe speed by destroying all speed limit signs? Put an end to speed limit signs and everybody, all people will drive perfectly safe in their own integrity. Put an end to the stop sign. And, every, you know, it's like police officer got the stop sign, this intersection, everybody is running the stop sign, you know, and it's, be, I mean, they're just zipping through there, paying no attention to that stop sign. People are getting killed, husbands are getting killed, wives, children are getting killed, head-on collisions, people getting T-boned and dying because no one's obeying the stop sign, and the police officer comes up with a brilliant idea. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll get my chainsaw out of the trunk and cut down the speed limit sign, cut down the stop sign. Now, do you think that would work? Put an end to all stop signs and traffic lights and everybody will do the right thing. So the way you get everybody to stop at intersection is abolish all the stop signs and stop lights. Put an end to those ridiculous laws. They should have never been given anywhere. I don't like them anyway. End them. What do you think? You know, I've found that lawless people end up in prison. Visit a prison and see how much righteousness you have there. Visit a drug-infested inner city of prostitution and see how much righteousness you find. Ending law has never created righteousness. If you believe a lawless society produces righteousness, visit a prison. Visit Africa. Africa doesn't have a lot of laws governing its society. See how long you last there. You're not going to last very long. A lawless society is a sinful society. So the first rule is, does this scripture go against my common sense and logic? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Second rule for Bible study, does this verse contradict other scriptures? Psalms 119 and verse 172 my tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Notice this. The psalmist will say, all your commandments are righteousness. You mean the very commandments that, that Paul said that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness? He's referring to, here the psalmist is referring to saying all of God's commandments, the Ten Commandments, are righteousness. So the way you achieve righteousness is by putting an end to the commandments. Again, does that make sense? No, you've got contradiction here with the word of God. You've got one scripture contradicting other scriptures. That's not the way you understand the Bible. The Bible never contradicts itself. Third, does the author contradict himself? Now the author is Paul. So Paul comes along and says, Christ is the end of the law. Does he contradict himself? Yes, he does. All right. Romans 3 and verse 31. Do we make void the law through faith? 
Now, how many times have I heard faith? That's all you need, faith. Just faith, 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 faith. Okay. Do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. We establish the law. Wait a minute. Paul said Christ is the end of the law. Now, what's he talking about? Establishing the law through our faith. How do we establish the law? In our hearts, in our minds, and by our obedience to that law. That's how you establish the law. All right. Romans 7 and verse 12. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandments holy, and just, and good. Wait a minute. I thought Paul said Christ is the end of the law. Now he's saying they're holy, and they're just, and they're good. We've got Paul talking out of both sides of his mouth in just a few short chapters of the, of the same book. The Bible never contradicts itself. The problem, if you're having problems here, the problem is not with the Bible. The problem is with our understanding of the Bible. Let's take a look at it again. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, what does that word end mean? In the English, we think of end, abolish, no more. That's not what the word means. Now, do me a favor. If you're sincere, and that's a big if, Christian, buy you a Strong's Concordance. You know, it's a, word, it's a concordance is a big, thick book that tells the original meaning of the language. The Bible, King James, is written into the English language. To really understand the Bible, you have to go back to the original language and understand it. So a concordance helps you do just that. Now, today they have them computer programs like eSword at the touch of a button, you can find out the meaning of the words. Now, the Greek word for end is telos. The word means the point aimed at. So if, if it doesn't mean end as in abolish, as we think of the English. The word means the point aimed at. So let's read it like it originally is. For Christ is the point or the aim of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Now, again, I've, I've pointed this out to Christians. I said, you know, that word actually means point or aim or goal of, you know, no, 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 no it means end. You know, you're going to believe what you want to believe, and that has to do with the heart. If you want to believe the law has been abolished, I cannot change your mind about that. I can only tell you what the Bible really says. And this word end does not mean abolish or do away with. It means Christ is the point or the aim of the law for righteousness. So now that we understand it, we have no contradiction with, with the Apostle Paul. Now when we read, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid we establish the law in our hearts and our minds and by our obedience. Now there's no contradiction here. Now there is no contradiction with wherefore the law is holy and the commandments holy, just, and good. And let me give you another example of this word end. James 5 and verse 11. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end, there's the exact same word, of the Lord, that the Lord is pitiful and tender mercy. Now, we don't have preachers thumping the pulpit and saying the Lord has ended. How come we don't? How come we don't have preachers saying the Lord's ended because of James 5 and verse 11 here? But we do have preachers saying the law has ended but when we understand the meaning of this word, you have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the aim or the point of the Lord, the end result of the Lord, that he is pitiful and tender mercy. 
we clearly understand the meaning of this word. Now, to understand what Paul was dealing with, we have to go back to verse Romans 10 and verse 3. We have to read this whole scripture in context here. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You see, Paul was dealing with people who thought they could be justified, and the word justified just means made right with God. How do you get right with God? Okay, Paul was dealing with people who thought they could get right with God by works of the law. That's what Paul was addressing here. And so then he says, Christ, a better way to understand this is like this, for Christ is the end of works of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. You know, if you're trying to make yourself right with God by works, by what you do, by works of the law, of the law that's a dead-end street. No, you, no, you're made right by God's grace and unconditional forgiveness. That's how you're made right with God. You don't earn anything by keeping the law of God. That's not how you get right with God. Now, does that mean we shouldn't keep the law? Well, who in their right mind would come up with that? I mean, how do you come up with that kind of insanity? Well, we don't need to keep it then. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You see, that's, this is what Paul was addressing. People who thought they could be made right with God by their works. Now, listen closely to what I'm about to say. There's a big difference between keeping the law of God in order to make yourself right in the eyes of God and keeping the law of God simply because it's the right thing to do. Let me put it another way. Are you faithful to your wife? If you're a man, are you faithful? To, now, don't answer that out loud. I mean, you, you say the wrong thing, you may get the frying pan across the head. Bang! You know. uh, are you faithful? Okay, hopefully you are faithful to you. Now, are you faithful? To, now, if you're faithful to your wife, you're, you are keeping the seventh commandment, by the way. Are you faithful because you're trying to earn brownie points with God? You're trying to get right with God. You're trying to earn your own salvation. No. That's not why you're keeping the seventh commandment. You're faithful to your wife because it makes your life work. You don't want to get STDs. You don't want to have to pay child support until, you know, on four different children until they turn 18 because your wife just divorced you. You don't want, you know, you want a functional marriage that works. And that's why you're faithful. To, it makes your life work. You're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. You're not trying to earn anything with God. And this is the role of the law. It makes your life work. <laughs> you know, I have zero tolerance for people who call themselves Christians and believe they don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. I mean, if you were to ask, should a Christian nation keep the commandments, the Ten Commandments? Should a Christian, should a society, uh, should a people keep the Ten Commandments? Who would say, who in their right mind would say, no, no, they shouldn't. Yeah. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, which is a summation of the Ten Commandments. The first four tell you how to love God. The last six tells you how to love your fellow man. John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Plural. All right. First John 2 and verse 4, he that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You know, if you believe the Ten Commandments are abolished, 
and you as a Christian don't need to keep them, do us all a favor, please. Don't call yourself a Christian. You are a disgrace to the name Christian. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Was there something wrong with the Ten Commandments? Were they weak legislation in the first place? Or did they somehow become obsolete with the passage of time? If, as some suppose, the time came for the Ten Commandments to be abolished, there must have been a reason for it. Order your free copy of Which of the Ten Commandments Did Jesus Repeal? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.